0: This is Ken, your RV navigator.
1: And Martha, the co-pilot.
0: And we have, uh, since uh, the last episode, we have uh, actually arrived home from our fabulous adventure in South Africa. But we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, the parts that we didn't get to talk about last time. We were a little bit derelict in our duty to our loyal listeners because we didn't make any more episodes after Garib Dam, where our last one was.
1: Perhaps we were too busy having fun.
0: And that's the way it is when you're on vacation, and especially when you're on on an RV vacation. But uh, we're very interested in hearing from you, so please visit our website at rvnavigator.com and send us an email if you have some comments at navigator at rvnavigator.com. So today's show will consist of a couple of interesting topics we're going to finish up the South African caravan and then we will head off and do a little bit of uh, GPS navigation we just recently purchased a new GPS navigation system for our RV and we thought you might be interested in hearing our impressions and how we made our selection first back to South Africa and remember we spent about five weeks in a rental caravan and by caravan of course we mean the vehicle in Europe as well as in South Africa The vehicle is referred to as a caravan, so if you're you're pulling a trailer, which is what we would call it, it's referred to as a caravan. But in our sense, the caravan was a group of 22 rental RVs that uh, traveled, as we found out, about 3,500 miles through South Africa. We went from Cape Town to Johannesburg and uh, many stops in between.
1: And as we have been already telling you, and I have to say it again, this was certainly a wonderful way to see South Africa. Since we've returned (coughs) home, we talked to a friend of ours who lived in South Africa and worked there for two years and did as much as he could in terms of touring on the weekends. But we had the impression, after talking to him, that we had seen more in our five weeks there than he had seen in two years as a resident. So we... Definitely recommend doing the caravan for South Africa and trying to spend as much time as possible because there's so much to see. And in retrospect, we're still pretty excited about the way that we saw South Africa,
0: too. Much better than renting a car, much better than uh, taking a bus tour, much better than trains or other types of transportation. And certainly if you can spend uh, five weeks, uh, this is an economical way to, to see th- most of the country without having to unpack and pack every night.
1: And another way people do Africa is flying from place to place. I just talked to a neighbor since I've returned home who's about to do that sort of a trip, and certainly one factor that I would find very confining as an RVer who's used to traveling with her entire home, uh, this woman is uh, confined to 26 pounds of luggage. And I think the technology that we take on a trip probably weighs at least that. So uh, having the RV to put all of your stuff from home in and have a comfortable selection of clothes and things to do and reference materials was a real blessing.
0: Yes, we take uh, two laptops and uh, tons of photographic equipment so that 26 pounds would just not be suitable for our way of travel. And, of course, that's the nice thing about the RV is is that because you're watching the animals actually from the inside of the RV, you have all of your equipment uh, right along there with you so you could take pictures and have all the lenses and accessories that you need because they're always with you every day.
1: And now that you've mentioned watching the animals, that certainly was the highlight of our trip. Uh, probably the most famous place we went within South Africa was Kruger National Park. This is a huge national park. We were there for about a week and saw the bottom third of it. So it would have been nice to have even more time to have seen the rest.
0: They talk about Kruger National Park as being the place where you go to see wild animals. And it has a very interesting way of letting you view the wild animals because the humans become the caged ones and the animals are left to roam the the countryside.
1: Because the park is so huge, you can enter it from a number of different gates and you have a wide selection of roads that you can travel once you are inside. And about every 50 to 75 kilometers, there's a campground for you to stay for the night. And as we've talked about before, the campgrounds in South Africa are... In some ways much more accommodating and luxurious than ours and in other ways rather strange and in the evening at 6 p.m. you were expected to be within the campground walls because they locked the gate so that you were inside safe and sound and all the animals could carouse outside and do the things that lions and tigers and bears like to do at night.
0: And these are much more than just campgrounds. Um, they're actually kind of compounds, being a place where there's cabin type of uh, accommodations, restaurants, stores, uh, the whole range of uh, places uh, that humans need to uh, to feel comfortable. But because the park is so large, and by large I mean it was uh, 320 kilometers by about 160 kilometers wide, so that's a very large park and uh, certainly as big as some place like Yellowstone or one of the other large parks that we have here in the United States. And the reason why you go is to see the animals. The big five, as a matter of fact, is uh, what everybody's list would include. And the big five include uh, such things as elephants, uh, rhinoceros, cape buffalo, leopards, and lions. lions. But, of course, you get to see lots more than just that. Last time when we were at Garib Dam, uh, we had seen elephants and a few zebras and things because we'd just gone through a couple of... uh, of those uh, specific parks, Uh, much smaller parks, but uh, limited in terms of the range of animals that you get to see. And when we went to Kruger National Park, they have the Big Five for you to see. But you're not guaranteed to see the Big Five.
1: Because the animals are not in Disneyland, they're free and roaming about wherever they want to go. It was a dilemma every morning to decide where we wanted to go. About a third of the roads in Kruger are paved and fairly easy and quick driving. And then the other two thirds are gravelly. Uh, They are okay to drive on, but you couldn't go very quickly. And in my naive first thoughts, I thought, well, the, the paved roads are gonna be busy, so the animals will more likely be on the unpaved roads. And so we spent a lot of time bumping and lurching down the unpaved roads. Fortunately,
0: we had a rental RV because I'm not sure that I would want to have taken uh, our regular home RV on this type of uh, terrain.
1: And, And in terms of animal viewing in Kruger, the whole thing was kind of like a roulette wheel. I remember one morning we left our campground and drove about 50 feet, and there were two rhinoceros having breakfast right at the entrance to the campground. In other days, we would drive for an hour with our eyeballs straining, trying to see through the bushes and scrub, and we didn't see any animals, although they were probably right there behind the bushes and the scrub and camouflaged, so we couldn't see them. So deciding where to go was was a bit of a dilemma, and our final conclusion was it didn't really matter which route you took because it's all a matter of luck. Uh,
0: but having the self-contained RV was a big plus here. Um, There were very few buses giving tours but lots of people in cars and other people uh, doing camping but more traditional tent camping. Very few self-contained RVs such as the ones we were driving. Ours were rented by the way from Maui RV and they rent these types of motorhomes throughout the world. Um, we've noticed that they have uh, locations everywhere. Uh, we picked ours up in Cape Town and dropped it off in Johannesburg. And as we, as we just were talking about, we spent about a week in Kruger camping. The benefit of having your self-contained RVs is that you have your bathroom along with you, and you have all of your stuff, and you have your lunch, um, because there were no facilities beyond the campgrounds so that uh... people in cars or other vehicles uh, they w- and they, you can't get out of your vehicle so there's no place to have lunch except to go back to a campground
1: and one day we stopped at a waterhole to have lunch and when we first uh, came to the waterhole we were there alone but we had barely started our sandwiches and we were joined by three or four elephants who were also having lunch and a cool drink by the water hole. So that was very exciting and we didn't have to stop um, at a campground or at a restaurant and waste time buying food. We had everything we needed right there. And our RV also had huge windows so sometimes the elephants could be viewed better from the back or from the side and we could go all the way around our RV and take pictures at whatever point the animals were best to be seen.
0: So we really found the RV to be be a great way to travel. And although there were uh, 22 RVs on our particular caravan, that didn't overwhelm anything at all. And every morning, we would all kind of uh, go off in our own direction and uh, use our own instincts to decide where we would find the best animal viewing. And so sometimes you went with people and sometimes you didn't. But uh, it was strictly up to you. and, And the only criteria was is that you'd be back in camp by six o'clock when they shut the gates because these uh, compounds had a big electric fence around them there were no animals in the compounds other places we found that uh, monkeys were a big problem because they uh, kind of would would beg and they would come around and steal things out of the garbage and and actually go into RVs and uh, there were numerous stories of monkeys trashing the inside of an RV and of course this is something totally strange to us when we saw monkeys in the campground we We were pretty excited about it. Uh, As time went on, we realized that they were just a pest. But in the national parks where the animals don't uh, have any contact with people, they keep the animals away from the people in the campgrounds, so there's no animals whatsoever.
1: And of course, once you leave the campground, it's strictly forbidden to get out of your vehicle. And when you think about a lion or a rhinoceros being nearby, you don't really want to get out of your vehicle. Although we've seen pictures of people putting uh, jelly on their children's faces at Yellowstone so that the buffalo could lick it off and people do stupid things. But in Africa, people knew that it was a very bad idea to get out of the vehicle and nobody ever did and what this meant was that the animals did not associate our vehicles with people we were not a predator and we were not prey we were about as exciting as a rock so the animals acted very natural and moved right around us as if we were not there
0: this really surprised us and and was an exciting part of our trip because we thought the you know the engine running and you know the the metal of the vehicle seemed to us to be very different than the rest of the environment. To the wild animals, um, they were used to seeing cars and they didn't pay any attention to the cars at all. There was no begging. There was no coming up to the cars and looking inside, looking for food. They'd never been fed from a car or any other vehicle. They were doing what they were doing and you could pull right up within five feet of a wild animal and take all the pictures you wanted to and they would pay no attention to you they might glance over and say oh there's somebody taking my picture or whatever they say but they had no fear and this was a, a strange event you know most of the time you pull up on a on a herd of animals or you come across animals and wow you know they they take off they're afraid they're but these animals in this park uh, had virtually no contact with humans, really. It sounds strange, but it, when you think about it for a minute, it is, it's actually true. So they didn't uh, think of, of humans as being anything other than a natural part of their environment. Uh, these animals weren't hunted. They weren't fed so that they were uh, still in the wild. And of course, you were caged up inside this vehicle, (laughs) which was a little bit of a strange uh, sort of phenomena, but uh, I guess we now know what it feels like to be in a zoo.
1: Even though we've really raved about the animal viewing uh, with our RV, we must admit that there are some advantages to viewing an animal with a professional, and we were very fortunate to spend two days at a private game reserve right outside the um, boundaries of Kruger National Park. These game reserves are fairly common in South Africa. I suspect that most of them originally were hunting areas where the big white bwana like Ernest Hemingway would come and bag some trophies so he could hang the antlers on his wall. But these days, of course, everyone in Africa realizes the value of the animals as they are alive, and so these Private game reserves have become areas where tourists like us can go and have a drive through the park, not necessarily confined to the pavement, uh, with a guide and with a spotter who will do everything they can to make sure that you see as many animals as possible in an efficient and quick amount of time. And that's exactly
0: what this is. These these private game reserves ring the outside of the national park. The national park doesn't allow uh, these game Drives to happen inside the park, but just outside the park, that's uh, a different story. And it's private land, but it uh, has the same animals. And so you're going with a tracker and a driver on these game drives, and they know where to find the animals, and they know how to go after them. One of our surprises was that uh, the predators, uh, such as lions and leopards, are very hard to find during the day. Now an elephant, not only is it huge, but it has to eat all the time. They eat 400 pounds of stuff a day. Therefore, they have to be out and about eating. Whereas lions and the other uh, cat predators pretty much eat once in a while, And they lie down and sleep for the rest of the time. And when they're sleeping, you can't see them because they're hidden by the grass.
1: One day we were on a game drive and uh, we were driving through some of this tall grass. And we almost drove right on top of a pride of lions that were laying there sleeping. They are so used to these game drives since they happen twice a day that the sound of the car didn't bother them at all. There was not an eye open or a tail twitching. We were within six, ten feet of these sleeping lions, and they didn't care, and we were thrilled.
0: We were indeed, and uh, that was quite typical of what we found. We were able to drive right up to the lion's. If you knew where they are. And we're sure that in Kruger, when we were driving with our RV, that we were close to lions and leopards and things, but we didn't have a chance to see them because we couldn't go off the road. And we even if we could have gone off the road, we would have known where to go. When they're lying down, they're almost invisible. So it was a thrill to see the lions so close, and we saw a leopard kill, which I guess is a fairly standard thing um, when you're on one of these private uh, type of game reserves.
1: Staying on a game reserve also included three meals a day and fairly luxurious digs after having been in the RV for three weeks. Um, Our park had a pool, wonderful gourmet-type cooking, two game drives a morning and an afternoon one. Now, By
0: game drive, we mean that you get into a Jeep and somebody drives you around to see the animals. You're not driving the animals and then making them move.
1: This this experience uh, was one of the no was the most expensive per day experience that we have ever had in our long and adventuresome lives.
0: We uh, this cost uh, eight hundred and fifty dollars per person per night. And I have to say that in retrospect, uh, it was worth it because the first night, the first game drive, and you have one at dawn and one at dusk. Uh, The first game drive we did was at dusk, and we actually saw the Big Five in the first drive, whereas the whole time that we drove around Kruger, we never did see a leopard.
1: And typically with these drives, you're in a vehicle with six to eight people, um, and the spotter when it's daylight is looking down at the ground actually looking for tracks like you used to see in cowboy movies they actually track these animals
0: never seen that before
1: and at night he has a a very bright intense spotlight which he uh, kind of pendulums through the woods as you're driving looking for the reflective glow of the animal's eyes looking back at you and the drivers also wear headsets and can communicate with the other cars that are doing the same activity and can tell each other when they've seen something good so this is very efficient and you get to see a lot but we got to spend a lot as well
0: yes Uh, we should mention that uh when we were doing the caravan, we had little FRS radios, the family service radios, and the range of those is very limited. When somebody found an animal, they couldn't really communicate with very many people unless they were they were quite close. Uh, given the size of the park, it was impossible for us to actually communicate uh, directly with those, others, whereas on the game drive, these guys had uh, more powerful radios, and when they spotted something, the other three vehicles would come running because... Uh, Everybody wanted a chance to see these exciting things that uh, were in the wild. I guess we will kind of leave it there. There's lots more to talk about, and I would suggest that if you are interested, one is is that you can mail us at navigator at rvnavigator.com. We'll be glad to uh, fill you in on the details in case we forgot something that you're specifically interested in. Or, I would also t- ask you to take a look at the blog that we do. It has lots of pictures of the things we've just been talking about, and uh, they, those will supplement the pictures that I'm going to put onto the RV Navigator site. But if you'd like to take a look at the blog and read in more detail uh, the itinerary, we have the blog at mytripjournal.com slash Wiseman, W-I-S-E-M-A-N. And at that uh, location, you can see all the things that we did uh, on this exciting RV adventure. Um, we should mention that uh, after the caravan, that we took a plane trip to Victoria Falls for three days, which is another exciting thing to do. We wa-
1: Victoria is the widest waterfall in the world, much more spectacular than Niagara Falls. And yes. It's also in the prox- proximity of Choby National Park, which was another th- wonderful... Oh yes. Chobe viewing place
0: over 100,000 elephants in this national park of national park of Botswana not South Africa so we actually had a chance to look at uh, we've visited five countries that we added to our list of of countries that we visited uh, which brings it close to 85 now who can say who can C- say countries
1: come and go when <laughs> we went to germany it was two countries now it's one <laughs> when we went to yugoslavia it was we one kind country of have this now ongoing it's going battle about So we're never quite sure.
0: But uh, this added uh, several new countries, including South Africa, Lesotho, Zambia, Swaziland. Swaziland,
1: yeah.
0: And Botswana. I guess we mentioned that. So uh, if you're going to South Africa, be sure to go to Victoria Falls also. Not only are there animals, but there are also uh, great scenery things to do, too. So... Bottom line here is that if you have a very short period of time, you're probably best going to a private game reserve because in three or four days you can see all the animals uh, in a very efficient fashion. But you got to have the money to do it. I think the experience otherwise is pretty much the same. I don't know, we felt good about enjoying the time and, and kind of discovering things on our own, although we had a great time at the, at the private uh, park too. So we then... Uh, drove to Johannesburg and we turned in our RVs and a few of us had some accidents.
1: It was very good that our trip planner required us to purchase very comprehensive insurance with only a $900 deductible. (laughs) And we suspect that about a third of our fellow travelers might have ended up paying this deductible, although some of the accidents were not their fault. Some of them definitely were.
0: Uh, we had somebody drive under a tree and uh, put a hole in their roof. Um, we had other people just plain drive into trees uh, <laughs> with the front end, <laughs> back into trees. Uh, we had uh, four or five clutches go out. I guess one of the good things that uh, going in a caravan does is is that it it makes sure that you have the facilities along to take care of these types of emergencies because uh, we had a repairman who accompanied the trip in his own van and frankly sound kept was kept pretty busy if it wasn't uh, small things like uh water pumps and air conditioners and things going out, it was big things like holes and roofs.
1: But I'm happy to report that your RV navigator came through the entire trip unscathed, and the $900 deductible was not paid by us. Ah,
0: yes, but driving on the left, stick shift, diesel engine, was something of a challenge, but we got used to it pretty quickly. Um, Only a couple times, dude the old RV navigator of <laughs> off on the wrong side of the road when his wife...
1: Which, qu- which was the right side of the road. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and his wife quickly corrected him. So I guess we'll leave that uh, topic there. We have some interviews that we'll be including in other episodes, so... Stay tuned if you're interested in more about South Africa caravanning because it was truly a a once-in-a-lifetime experience.
1: The only bad thing I would say about it is that I thought it would be a a once-in-a-lifetime experience, but I liked it so much. I'm hoping the RV (laughs) navigator makes some extra money so we can go again.
0: Uh, Okay, well. That's news to me, so um, I guess we'll turn off the radio and (laughs) we will talk about this. Now, we came home, and um, we actually sold our GPS. Now, I think we have been sold on the idea of a GPS for quite a while, but uh, when I showed the GPS to my brother-in-law, he said, I have to have one of those, and he offered me a deal, which I couldn't refuse. We had a Garmin 2620, uh, very nice GPS, we felt, and uh, I'm always interested in selling the electronics that I have because I always like the the latest and the greatest. If you don't have a GPS to do your navigation for you, um, it's definitely something that you need to be thinking about. Um, when I bought the 2620 18 months ago or more, uh, it was um, $1,200 or so, and now... They've come down dramatically in price. As a matter of fact, I had an email from a friend who asked me um, if they could buy a good GPS for less than $500. And frankly, I had to tell him he could get a pretty good deal. I didn't think he could get the best ones for that kind of money, but you certainly can get a nice GPS. Now, let's refresh our memory here about what a GPS is.
1: As I understand it, a GPS communicates with the geosynchronous... Global Positioning
0: System GPS. ...communicates
1: with the geosynchronous satellites that are orbiting over our heads at all times. And it sends signals up and back and triangulates and figures out what your position is relative to the satellites. Low
0: Earth orbit satellites. It
1: also tells you your altitude and your speed.
0: Okay, so for the average person, it's magic. But basically what it's doing is is there are 24 satellites up in the sky, and they are continuously circling the Earth. The little device which you put in your hand or which you have in the window of your RV or which you have installed into your RV actually receives signals from multiple satellites, and then it triangulates its position to within about 10 feet. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you your precise latitude and longitude any place on the globe.
1: Knowing your position, which is reported in hours and minutes and seconds, like latitude and longitude on a map, is not all that valuable unless you also have a map inside the, the GPS cool that shows you pictorially where you are and will display as you move down the highway where you are along that highway. And what's to either side of you?
0: So since 1992, you've been able to use a GPS, although the government, uh, in 1992, they took out the military uh, military required uh, them to be less than accurate so that they were not really, well, they were useful, but not super useful as they are today. So since 1992 there's been a lot of changes in GPS because they're now accurate, very accurate, and that means that it can now follow along on maps. And so the really thing that's the thing that's happened recently is the fact that you now have a map to go along with the coordinates and the GPS automatically does the mapping. And of course, it also does The rooting. The rooting.
1: Uh, This is a real godsend because uh, my husband seems to get very testy when I tell him that we need (laughs) to make a (coughs) U-turn when we're towing the trailer. (laughs) So it's to my advantage as the navigator in our duo to have this little electronic assistance which cuts the U-turns way, way down. Uh, These machines even know when a road is a boulevard and... Can tell you a good place to make a U-turn if you really need to to get to the other side of the street where the destination is.
0: Now they have uh, great color screens with maps of the entire United States built in, and and frankly they've made it. The menu system is very easy to use, so that and it recalculates almost instantly if you uh, do deviate from the planned route so that they have become extremely useful and something that a novice or somebody who's basically afraid of technology can actually use because there's no real problem with the technology other than pushing the buttons.
1: It's very helpful when you're using your, naviga- your GPS if you have an address because one of the ways you can find something is to um, enter on a keypad or on the screen. It uh, works either way the specific address of the destination where you're going and the GPS will automatically calculate the route it will either send you the fastest way or the closest way that's up to you when you put in the data and tell you turn by turn exactly how to get there
0: we were charged now because I inadvertently sold my old one which I wasn't really dissatisfied with that's bad when somebody offers you money, and you say, okay, but then you got to go out and buy a new one, because we can't uh, possibly do... Can't live without can't it. Can't live without it, exactly. So um, in that situation, we uh, decided to buy a new one, and in actuality, I decided to buy the updated version of the one that I currently own. So the bottom line here is that uh, what we did was that we went out and bought a new one, um, and I, I always like to have the latest version, and... Just for your information, you might want to take a look at the July issue of uh, Consumer Reports magazine, The Bible of Buying. And the Consumer Reports magazine has a listing of uh, which GPSs to buy and the features that you can look for. I bought the number two one, the Garmin Street Pilot 2720. And I've been very happy with it since we bought it. However, they uh, they rate the price here as eight fifty. Although I bought it for about seven fifty on the web, they go down the 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 list here, all the way down to four hundred and fifty dollars. The thing that I like about ours is is that the screen is easily readable in the daylight. It and has, at night, and at night, right? It automatically dims and has a, a sensor about that. We like ours is Erica, so we like the voice. And one of the new things that's come along is that the, the new one actually speaks the roads, because before...
1: It would say, turn left, turn right, 300 yards, stay in the left lane, but it never told you the names of the streets. It wasn't able to do that. This new one does sound out the syllables of the street names and sometimes sounds like she has some marbles in her mouth, but it's definitely an assist when you're driving by yourself to know for sure the name of the road that you're supposed to be turning on.
0: So the new one actually says, Turn Down Weber Road, or you're going to be turning in a mile down such and such a road, or Highway 55, or whatever it happens to be that you're, that you're going down. So that's something that you definitely, definitely want to look for. And having the speaker and talking to you is also critical. Because uh, there are many times when it's hard, well, it's it's hard to look at the screen while you're driving, but even if you have a navigator, it's nice to have the voice prompts telling you. And they often tell you little tricks as you're going down the expressway, like you're going to be exiting left, but uh, you're going to be exiting right, but stay in the left lane because... Um, you're going to be going south instead of north because the exit splits ahead of you. So it actually tells you those things as you're driving down the road, which makes your your driving very smooth. Ours is a portable one, so we use it in both of our cars. Um, some of the new RVs, of course, come with one built in, and therefore that one you don't have much choice. We find the built uh, the portable one to be quite convenient because we can take it on rent-a-car trips as well as in both of our cars, and it just plugs into the cigarette lighter, so it really doesn't uh, cause much of a problem in terms of of in terms of installation but they mention uh ones here let's see the lowest priced one oh it's actually the garmin street pilot i5 which they list as 350 dollars. i suspect that this one does not have the complete set of maps in it and that uh, one of the issues there is is that when you're driving throughout the united states you want to have all of the maps built in some of them you actually have to um Reload it with maps depending on the part of the country that you're going in they usually include the entire set of maps but there's not enough memory in it to actually include so the best buy according to consumer reports it says very compact low price double-a batteries so that's nice you could take it out small screen and it's not a touch screen i enjoy the touch screen uh, foreign maps available ac adapter not included ours has that roller wheel for each for easy access so uh, you definitely can get into this market and get yourself a decent GPS for just a few bucks. Um, the Magellans get good ratings. Uh, the TomTom gets moderate ratings. And, of course, I think we like our, our, our Garmin uh, 2720 uh, about the best uh, that we've seen, although there might be other good ones around. And, you know, this is a chance for you to come back and tell us what you think about the GPS that you own because uh, there's a lot of personal preference in this area and my personal preference may not be yours. I'm trying to give you some some basic information here uh, rather than giving you too many opinions but things to look for.
1: You were talking about maps and I also want to mention that the United States being the um, ever-changing country that it is, uh, roads do change and uh, the last GPS we had did start to give us little warning messages that it was time to update the maps. Uh, This is something that you have to do periodically uh, you in our case, we purchased it uh, over the internet and downloaded it and reinstalled it on the GPS and had a new set of maps very conveniently for a small fee, of course, but this is something you want to do every so often because the newest subdivisions and interchanges even the one we have now will not be properly displayed yeah. and occasionally, as you're driving down the road you, uh, it may give you some instructions that just don't make any sense to you, and that's because the road has been rebuilt or reconfigured since the uh, map data was loaded. So and that's one thing you want to keep in mind as you are deciding what to purchase. How how complete are the maps and how easy are they to update?
0: Yes, that's that's a key factor. And we found in Texas last year that uh, our maps were kind of outdated and we could actually see the road under construction but it it led to some kind of interesting travel experiences.
1: Another thing that seems to come with the GPS is is a search feature uh, for a variety of different categories of things. In particular, I'm thinking about restaurants and this is another area that has frustrated me somewhat in using our GPS's because Restaurants really come and go. Uh, It's very hard to make a go of it in the restaurant business. And you can say to the GPS, uh, tell me the restaurant's within 10 miles of here, and you will get a display on the screen. Uh, If there's one you like, you can uh, choose it, and the GPS will take you there. But after you've made the drive, you might find, lo and behold, that restaurant is no longer there. So uh, that's a feature that's nice to have, but it's certainly not something that you would want to count on. Another thing that I find somewhat frustrating is you can search for attractions or categories of stores or parks or amusement parks or theaters. which is important. And uh, in this case, even if you know the name of a park, if you don't um, type it into the GPS exactly the way that park name is stored in the GPS, you won't get a hit. So I have found this somewhat frustrating as the person who does most of the programming for our GPS.
0: But this new one has uh, what are called 3D views, which means you Kind of fly over the area, <laughs> and it shows you what it looks like if you were a few hundred feet in the air, which is a, a really kind of a nice way to look at the uh, at the map situation. And of course, it has all the usual stuff. Uh, it tells you your exact speed. It tells you uh, how long it is to you're going to get to your destination. How long it is till the next turn, and and you can put in turn by turn directions and see exactly where you're going. So, as we leave Illinois in the in the winter, we can see exactly how far we're going to to be able to go and how long it's going to take us to get there and what, what, uh, e- what our ETA is. So it has many other features which are built in um, you know, a trip type of uh, computer also.
1: You can also put in um, a more complex trip. Uh, our old one, you just had to put in one destination, but now we can put in waypoints, uh, places you might want to stop on your trip. If you're doing like a long family vacation, you could plan out the whole thing and program it all in uh, before you leave home.
0: So one of the best pieces of technology that you can pick up for your older RV is uh, a GPS that mounts on the dashboard someplace. And remember, it does have to be mounted so that it has a clear view of the sky. Uh, It can, of course, go through the, the... the signals can, of course, go through the glass of your windshield, but you can't mount it down below. So, ours is, is one that we have to keep taking up and down because we don't want it visible uh, in case somebody would like to steal it.
1: And sometimes, if you're going through a really deep forest or a very skyscraper laden city, uh, you yes. will lose your signal for a while because the sky just isn't there.
0: Yeah, we were in Glacier National Park last uh, spring, and we found out that uh, it was kind of spotty sometimes. So you can't rely on it 100% uh, because there are uh, physical limitations to where it can receive a signal. But uh, overall, it works great and will give you exact directions on how to get to virtually any address in the United States. So, uh, as I say, take a look at the Consumer Reports and uh, other places. Uh, There are lots of uh, reviews on the web that I found, so there are... um, places that you can get information about buying a GPS, but uh, you certainly should consider getting one. And when you decide, uh, let us know what you decided so that we can uh, add that to our database. So we thank you very much for listening. This is Ken, your RV Navigator.
1: And Martha, the co-pilot.
0: Hoping that you'll contact us at navigator at rvnavigator.com or visit our website at www.rvnavigator.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.
1: We'll see you down the road.